0: Here to come in and meet man Y'all do see me eat now. Hit on the meat and Y'all to
1: see me eat now. I got jaws like a bad trap, a teeth like a razor. I made a tag tongue with a sensitive taste. i born out in Texas called the land of beef. Never catch a muscle greener. Showing the hell the like lack of meat on the meat. Me
2: i got
3: man. a nice long episode for y'all today, and I think you're going to truly enjoy it. It's with. Jason Santani, Kim McPherson, Cassie McPherson, Jason Haysaw, who took me out to Lubbock and put this whole idea together. Jason Haysaw is an advanced sommelier, uh, the biggest advocate for Texas wine that I know, uh, and he took me out to meet Kim McPherson, who owns McPherson Cellars, uh, and his daughter Cassie, who happened to be in town, uh, and then Jason Santani, who is the head winemaker at Yano Estacado, which... You know, it's a, It looks like it says Lano, uh, but it's actually a, a, a wine that's made in Lubbock. Um, something that I learned. I'm learning a lot about Texas wine, and I hope you are too. Uh, I hope you're out there trying some of these and checking wine lists at your local restaurant because Texas wines are pretty delicious. And I'm learning a lot about them and why they're so great. In fact, I was sipping on one when I was editing this episode. Uh, so enjoy. Uh, this is a really fun time. Uh, Oh, and it was all at Evie Mays, so we're there with Mallory. Uh, Arnis, unfortunately, was out delivering a pit, so it's Mallory from Evie Mays. She sits in, she drinks wine, she eats with us, she brought us extra desserts. She's just the greatest host ever, Um, an amazing woman, an amazing part of the barbecue scene, and uh, you know, was just great to be around. It was great to have a table full of people and delicious wines. So enjoy this episode, because I had a great time recording it. Thank you for listening to and or watching The Best Barbecue Show. I am here in Lubbock, Texas. Uh, we're sitting at Evie Mays with a huge spread, and I've got a really interesting group of folks here. Uh, down to my left is Kim McPherson, son of Doc McPherson. He helped begin uh, what Texas Wine is now, You know, planted some vines in uh, with the college, and uh, Kim is now helping... Sculpt the uh, the shape of wine all over Texas. How's it going, Kim?
1: Doing great, thank you. Are you uh, Are
3: you enjoying the barbecue?
1: Oh, it's unbelievable. <laughs>
3: uh, and to Kim's right, we have uh, Jason Santani, uh, a winemaker at Llano Estacado. Did I say that right? Yes. Uh, oh, can you talk into that mic one more time? <laughs>
2: Hello, testes, testes.
3: <laughs> Jason clearly has a, a fun sense of humor. He brought some <laughs> wines here. Uh, so Kim and Jason brought some McPherson's and some Yano Estacado. We'll talk about those here in a second. But right next to me here, Mallory Robbins, uh, one of the geniuses behind Evie Mae's barbecue. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hi. A hardworking woman uh, out here in Wolfearth. Uh, really, uh, an old friend at this point. You know, yeah. this is my first time here, but we've hung out.
0: I've been talking smack for like five years. Every time <laughs> that I, I need see you out here.
3: Yeah. Well, finally did it. Yep. We're here. So- We're in Lubbock. Uh, so, Kim, why don't, why don't you start us off? You're, uh, you have the most knowledge. You have the most history around here. Uh, you know, what's it like? What's it like creating wine? What's it like uh, creating this amazing scene that we have now?
1: I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. I had a. It's, a little, uh, it's crowded in here, as you can well imagine. Absolutely, it's packed. It's not because of us.
2: Is it like the wine <laughs> around in West Texas?
1: Well, it has its ups and downs. Uh, I think it's uh, it's a challenge sometimes, but I think that we do a, a very good job with the varieties that uh, that grow well out here. Uh, you know, we don't do Bordeaux or Burgundy. We, we do mainly uh, Southern France, Spanish, and Italian varieties, and I think they work real well out here. And
3: tell us a little bit about Doc. I mean, he, he is called the father of Texas wine. He seems like an incredibly interesting man, and uh, you, you, got to, you got to grow up with him.
1: Well, he started growing grapes in 1968 at uh, his vineyard called Sagmore, which... We still have in the family, and we do get some Sangiovese off of it. He was the first guy to plant Sangiovese in Texas. Excuse me. And uh, we do uh, a reserve with that and the state bottling off that. And then the rest goes into our Sangiovese program. Uh, he started Yano Estacato Winery where Jason works with his, uh, one of his good uh, college professor friends, Bob Reed, and uh, from there they uh, built it, uh, I mean they didn't build it up, these guys built it up, but they started the winery in 1976. So he was one of the, it wasn't the first bonded winery in the state, I think it was the second bonded or third bonded winery. Yeah,
3: I saw on the wall there's a letter that talks about Something about uh, using state money to create wine. That little, it's like from a typewriter. And it's, I think it's a picture of you and your dad and, and maybe someone from a
1: college. Right next to the
3: bathrooms there. In the
1: Well, they, uh, they, Texas Tech let Bob and Doc have a uh, lab space in the new chemistry building in the basement to, uh, to uh, research wine and, and make wine and study it, how it would do out here. Now, my dad, my dad had uh, over 140 different varieties of grapes at one time in his uh, Sagmore Vineyard. Did you see what would grow out here on the High Plains?
3: Yeah, Jason was telling me we have to go out and, and look at the vineyards. It sounds like... Now, this is... Uh, the High Plains have 75% of the, the grapes in Texas? I would say closer to 85%.
1: There
3: you go. Yeah. And is that just the... Is that because where it started, or is that just because there's so much good land or so many people willing to?
1: I, th- I think there's a lot of factors. The, the big thing is, is that it's probably one of the better places in the state to grow grapes. We have high altitude, well, we're not high altitude, but we're 3,400 feet. We have low humidity, which grapes don't like to be in humid weather. We have low disease pressure and low insect pressure and we've got some very good farmers out here that converted from cotton to grapes, and they know how to farm, which was it's not we don't have a, we don't have amateurs, so to speak, you know what i mean they they grew they were growing other crops and they just slipped right into growing grapes and they've done a very good job of them and uh Jason was telling me about the diurnal
3: shift and how uh, you almost it's better to stress grapes out than to treat them nicely that's how you you make better wines
1: yes and and uh i think you just kind of have to watch that up here a little bit because you can't really because of our climate you know stressing them out sometimes can be can be good or can be bad so it's it's like you want to do a little bit but you know we're we're not uh, we have some unforgiving (laughs) things sometimes like they do everywhere else in the world when you grow crops, and so Jason, you
3: are a winemaker at Yano Estacado, and uh, is there, you know, that that means a ton of land. And Jason was telling me that uh, winemakers don't necessarily own the land that you guys make the wine there, and you have farmers or landowners that you work with to grow the grapes. Um, what's 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 a what's a busy day at Yano Estacado like? Are you tasting? Oh, are okay. you um, working with different chemistry. Tell us, tell us what you're doing.
2: Yeah, well, <clears throat> just to kind of define what we do or, or define our winery and how we purchase grapes, um, it's, it's almost like the French negociant system where we, we don't own um, rarely any uh, vineyard land or holdings anymore. We now just purchase, we contract with grape growers throughout the state. Mainly, uh, well, I say throughout the state, but it's really just throughout West Texas, so West Texas can be defined basically from, you know, say Lubbock all the way to El Paso. Okay. I mean, that's not the true geographical. Right. But whatever. That's essentially where we, we purchase our fruit from. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, uh, having a great relationship with the growers that provide us the fruit that we need uh, to make our Texas Appalachian wines every year. Um, that's an important, that's a huge, you know, hugely important aspect of what we do. And then on a daily basis, to answer your question, you know, all of the above, I I kind of, I break up my day in in chunks um, because we're, you know, we're bottling almost every single week throughout the year at the winery. Um, We're we're blending, we're, you know, we're stabilizing, we're preparing for the next harvest. Um, It's really hard to explain exactly on a daily basis what I do. Because there's just so much. There's a lot, yeah, going on. So a lot of moving parts. We're a winery that makes a lot of different varietals and blends, probably too many. But um, that's just kind of how we've evolved. And um, I think I'm the seventh winemaker to be at Llano Estacado. And I'm just um, helping maintain the portfolio and and helping create new wines as we go along. And uh,
3: we just just, uh, switched to red here. Kim, can you tell us about the wine that we just... uh
1: took a sip of here? Well, this is a um, reserve Syrah that we did from um, one of the largest great growers up here on the High Plains. It's um, Lehay Vineyards owned by Matt Adams. And this was sort of a unique Syrah. We got uh, about five tons off 40 acres. This was one of the first crops they had off that. had a had some hail and stuff on it, and they really weren't going to pick this, but we talked them into it, and it turned out really, really nice. We we didn't do a lot of it, but we decided we'd make a, a reserve out of it.
3: And well, we got a delicious over here from Mallory, so obviously you're enjoying it. Very good,
0: it's really good.
3: Uh, is that you know we're we're eating barbecue? Barbecue is something that takes time. Wine obviously takes a little longer than that. But they both are kind of a slow food. It's something you want to take your time making because you want it to be good. I'm glad, uh,
2: I'm glad you said that. That's, that's exactly how I define winemaking, which I kind of ripped it off from Clark Smith a little bit. And he says that in one of his books. And
3: it's okay. No one listening knows who Clark Smith is. That's right. That's the best part is we're educating at every moment. So like you can tell wine all wine. your old stories. No one's heard him.
2: He's a wine industry genius. Sound, sounds But, yeah, like he made guy. that association, and it's it's truly apt, and, and it's like... An amazing, I mean, it really is a great uh, analogy. Uh, and so, Kim,
3: do you... You said you had to convince them to to use the grapes. Did you you, you taste them, or how do you, how do you evaluate a grape? Well, we went grape and looked before at you... the
1: vineyard, and, and we saw that the fruit that was on all these vines, which wasn't a lot of fruit on 40 acres, was pretty incredible. So they... Uh, they really wanted to to, uh, please us. And so they they picked it, they mechanically picked it as beautiful. So we decided that once we got it in the barn and we were messing with it, that we were gonna keep this as a reserve. And so, but this year we got a lot more Syrah from them, from this vineyard that's kind of come back. And so uh, we're introducing a line of six reds, uh as for a better term, our kind of a luxury series, we did 10 barrels of each, pure 100% varietal. Uh, my daughter over here, Cassandra, is getting a gentleman out of Oakland to redesign our package label for that. And uh, then we're going to give it to this man, yeah. Jason.
3: So I should say uh, Jason Highsaw and Cassie McPherson are sitting across from us. They're off camera. They're a little shy, but they are here eating barbecue with us. Um, but uh, it, it sounds like, uh, I'll, I'll throw you on the mic here, Cassie, and you're going to get a, a real close-up. But uh, it sounds like you do. You worked at the Lazy Bear, which is a Michelin star restaurant. You do a lot with wine. Uh, tell us, tell us kind of what it's like being in a wine family.
4: Um, it's a great learning experience. Um, it's always a challenge. Um, there's lots of different facets of the industry which are really important, um, starting from just the farming itself.
3: Anyway. Yeah, and it, it sounds like, uh, you know, you all kind of grew up with wine. You know, it's a, it's a multi-generational family at this point. Uh, but, Kim, you spent some time in, on the West Coast at UC Davis. Yes, Is that true?
1: And, um worked at uh, Trofet and Vineyards in Napa. Where actually my daughter worked at one time as an intern, and <laughs> they said, "Hey, we had a guy named MacPherson that worked here," and she, she said, uh, "It was my dad." <laughs> so it uh, turned out really good for her, and yeah, Napa was—it's uh, a different animal. I mean, they do In the fact that stuff. it's just a,
3: a lot more land, or
1: what? Uh, I think you know, it's the,
4: more established. It's, it's more bench, established, yeah. It's more yeah. established, a benchmark growing region, a uh, completely different climate. Um, there you go. I think that's what he's trying th- to say. That's what I'm trying
1: to say. It's yeah. uh, been there a while. And, yeah. And you,
3: know, you get,
2: I mean, I, I can't imagine. identity is what I'd like to say. You, I can't
3: imagine the weather you get off the mountains and the, the coast. and I mean, yes. there's so much. You know, uh, 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 someone like Mallory or Arnest that, that run a barbecue joint, they care about... You know, they use uh, certified Angus beef, so they care about where the cows come from, that it's good meat, and they can, uh, they can test that in certain ways. But with wine, it's like you could grow grapes on 1,000 acres, but if w- w- they're on one side of a hill or the other side of the hill exactly. or they're getting ocean breeze, I mean, it's, uh, it's almost <clears throat> maddening to think about how, how much work it is just to, to get all the grapes to taste right. The
0: variables, the variables that y'all have to control... Jason as opposed is, to the variables that we have to control are a lot different
1: Jason is now opening a kind of a unique wine for us it's uh, called Windblown and it's actually owned by my guys in the cellar and uh, we do probably a 1, thousand, eleven hundred cases and this is a uh, a wine that's in seven states now and uh, uh we're very proud of it and it's a it's a typical red rhone blend. Morved and carrion and some Syrah, grenache. Well and uh I got to this meet Spencer is retirement package, so to speak.
3: <laughs> I got to meet Spencer this morning, you know, super super sweet person and uh I've had this wine a couple times and it's uh it's super interesting. It's super delicious. Uh, we got to share it during a barbecue and wine talk that we did uh, in Austin. Okay. And the uh, Clay Cowgill, one of the pitmasters at Snow's, which is the rated number one barbecue joint by Texas Monthly, he actually uh, took a bottle home with him, and it was very excited about this wine. And I am too. So uh, it, it was cool to meet Spencer, and it's cool to see that you know, it's almost like, are you guys creating more and more wines every year, or is it kind of taking the grapes in different directions?
1: Well, no, we're we're mainly sticking to a red on this one. We we do have a little bit of a white that we started on the advice of our sommelier. <laughs> um, Consulting sommelier. But uh, that is actually a picture of Andy Timmons' Morved Vineyard down in Terry County, and uh, we... Uh, there was a magazine called Garden and Gun <laughs> Let me see that did an article on us, and uh, they had a great photographer out of Austin, and he took that picture, and I thought he'd make a great label.
3: And uh, Garden and Gun, do they, do they interview guys a lot?
1: Well, I'd, I'd never really heard of the magazine. It's a very expensive magazine on the East Coast, South Carolina, and down in there, and uh, very uh, prestigious.
3: Yeah, they'll have some barbecue joints in there every once no, in they, a while too.
1: They do. They do have some in there.
3: Uh, and being an established winery, I mean, uh, I, I've heard more than once that uh, you're literally grooming the future of Texas wine. Is that people you stay in touch with? Is that uh, you know going to schools and speaking? How do you kind of help the growing wine industry learn from you know all your knowledge?
1: Well, I mean, I don't. We don't. I don't go out and teach. I. I, I kind of. I was. Letting our wines do the, maybe the talking, you know, we've become, I think, you know, we're not, we're not as, anywhere near as big as these guys, but.
2: Yeah, but I mean, literally what went through my mind whenever you asked that question was the next gen, I'm, the ne- I'm in the next generation of, of winemakers in Texas and exactly, yeah, Kim, his wine does all the talking and it's continued to, as it continues to win awards and be the benchmarks for certain styles of texas wine that's what winemakers the next generation of winemakers look to to help form you know their wines and and hopefully try to surpass you know kind of let set the bar really high and then that we can uh you know challenge ourselves to make um you know even better wines than what kim does and i'm sure he he continues to you know raise that bar every single year
3: well and uh let's you know I meant to warn you guys ahead of time. This is this show isn't you know necessarily avid wine drinkers, but they're getting into it. Jason was on the show with uh, Mark Black, and we talked about wine and barbecue. And I think a lot of the barbecue people are taking on wines or looking at it. Of course, Texas barbecue, Texas wine. So don't be shy if you guys want to talk about awards, um, just, just just kind of how you've shaken up the wine industry by saying, "Hey, Texas is." a great wine. Texas is a great... I mean, there's eight AVA's. We're sitting down the street from, what did you say, 85% of the grapes in Texas? So let's let's hear, like... Well, I mean, I'd like to toot
1: my own horn, and I don't know who nominated me, but uh, MacPherson Cellar was one of three wineries nominated, and I was a semifinalist for the James Beard Award last year. Woo! And uh, <laughs> uh, we, uh, we were very, very... Even though we didn't win, a brewery won in uh, Maine, but we were nominated and we were semi finalists. And, uh, uh, you know, some, I don't know if it really took hold in Lubbock, but uh, in other places of the state, I got a a lot of phone calls and out of state, but uh, that was a pretty prestigious thing for us. And I think it was the nomination came from what I was trying to do. In Texas is to promote Texas wines in a in a better light and that's that's why I'm on the East Coast I wanted to be out of state to to show what we can do in this in this uh, state and because I I guess what we've done is that you know now we we are a co-packer for Gallo And uh, we do make a a Federalist wine for the Terlato group out of Chicago. They came to us. We didn't go to them and uh, and that, 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 that stuff like that is what I was trying to, you know, the tide rises all boats unless your boat has a leak in it. But if your boat's good, then you should rise up with us and this is what I'm I don't know if I'll see it in my lifetime, but I'm hoping guys like Jason and Spencer will, you know. Well, and if
5: I may just jump in real quick, like, you know, I've tasted a lot of great wines in my career being an advanced sommelier at Papa's Brothers Steakhouse, Texom, et cetera. And so when I'm out showing Jason's wines, Kim wines, wineries that I represent in Texas, like, I show these wines as amazing wines. You know, I think are people come to me like, well, this is really great for a Texas wine, and I say... No, that's a false statement. This is a, this is a great wine, period. You know. And I think we are now in a time of Texas wine, at least for me, showing these wines to or sommeliers, that the wines deserve the credit and the recognition of being an outstanding wine region. And that makes my job so much easier when I'm trying to put one Texas wine on every wine list in the state of Texas. And yes, my passion is barbecue, so I get to tie it into another passion, another rabbit hole. Yeah, but I get to go to a lot of fine dining restaurants around the state, and I go to sommeliers, and I say, you're now going to taste Texas through my eyes because I want to show you what Texas is capable of. So that's kind of where I'm at, and to obviously highlight what these guys are doing in the winery.
2: And to tie it all in with what we're talking about, I just want to say Texas wines, you know, caught up with the barbecue. You know, we're, we're (laughs) we're finally on the same level, right? And just to point out that every wine we've tried and paired it with, you know, this magnificent spread of barbecue we've had has paired really well. <laughs> really good. So don't be afraid to order wine with barbecue, fellow Texan wine and yes. barbecue enthusiasts. Yes. Well, and that's, you know, uh,
3: we're not just sitting here with some great winemakers, but we're sitting here with the owner of one of the top 50 places in all of Texas, which <clears throat> since you've won that award, hundreds of places have opened. So yeah. you're, you're helping inspire the future, too, is it? Is it cool to see? I mean, we're drinking world-class wine out of plastic cups and eating your barbecue. It's kind of a
0: yeah. fun world we live in. Yeah, how bizarre. I mean, I never, I mean, six years ago, if you would have told me <laughs> that we would be sitting here before 1 o'clock,
4: <laughs> trying Man. all these
0: fabulous wines. It's lunch somewhere. Oh, it yeah. is, that's right. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's really, really cool. It's really cool to be a part of great food in Texas, Texas has so many awesome things to offer: wine, barbecue. Um, it's really neat, especially to be in this part of the state, where like he, like Kim said, eighty-five percent of the of the grapes are grown really close to here. <clears throat> so it, it's all really cool. Um, I mean, we love we love wine. In fact, I just got a text from one of my gals behind the counter, zoomed in on Kim and a bottle, and they were like, "Is that for us?" <laughs> yes, yeah, it can be. And I was like, "Calm down. Be patient. See, look." <laughs> they're like, <laughs> nice. uh, "Yeah." So, anyways, yeah, it, it's really cool to be a part to be a part of all this. So, thanks for coming and doing yeah. this here, guys.
3: Well, so tell us more too. I mean, you're you're in this beautiful wine region. We, we're sitting uh, next to some
0: mountain patrol. Yep.
3: So we got big cowboy hats. We got big wooden tables. But at the same time. We got guns
2: too. Yeah. I mean right there. <laughs> just point that out.
3: This this could be this could be a table in France where we're drinking wine and eating some other sort of, you know, cooked meats. I th- I think that I think Texas is becoming just another part of the world. It's not necessarily big hats and horses, but it's cool to see that like we can make we can have great Texas wine, great Texas barbecue and it's it's a it's a place to connect. You know, I think mm-hmm. that America has a problem with disconnect. America has a problem with, you know, too many Subways and McDonald's. And now we have... We're just... I, I'm happy to sit at a table of people who are bringing more and more culture to a state that people don't realize is the best state in the Union. Cheers. No, oh, cheers. Thank
0: you. Texas. Texas. Bling, <laughs> bling, yeah. Bling, bling, yeah. Bling. yeah, no, it's... Um, I love... And barbecue does this as well as wine, but... It brings so many people together in different, all walks of life. And just like you pointed out, we've got the Mounted Patrol right here. We've got some farmers next to them. I mean, we have school teachers, farmers, we have lawyers that come in from downtown. You know, there'll be suits and ties and guys covered in paint from construction sites. So, I mean, it's just one of those things that just kind of brings us all together and nobody fights when they're in here, not usually. Hey, there's,
3: there's no bullshit at Evie Mace.
0: <laughs> That's right. <laughs>
3: uh, well, and, and, and I like the fact that, you know, there, there's a lot of misconceptions of Texas in general, and it's, it's fun to be living here for the last decade and just learn that you can find the whole world in Texas. There's even a city named Paris, but, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's just so interesting to me that, that we can sit here and we can talk about wine and, and Jason, who will, without fault, wear a suit every time I see him, with a fresh pocket square, with his advanced sommelier pin, I mean we could we could all be in shorts and this guy would still be wearing a suit, with his hair perfect uh, but there's just a lot of class coming to Texas and I, I think that it's beautiful to see, you know, that, that it, Kim, you mentioned some of your wines uh, is, there, is there a stage, is there a place where people put the world of wines together are you more Trying to win American awards with your wine. Where where are people? You know, for for those on the show have no idea what's going on. How are Texas wines just kind of taking over right now?
1: Well, I mean, I have a I have a pretty good following on the East Coast. I've been over there uh, up there six years now, and and we've increased our our sales up there. Oh, from two hundred cases to twenty five hundred cases a wow. year, and. We've we've have, we have a really good following and, and you know, I think it's it's because of, of the varieties that we produce. Uh, I'm I'm not trying to make cab. People come into the winery and go to you have a cabernet. I said, No, you need to go to Napa. And so you uh, go
2: to Yano too, we have a cab.
1: <laughs> <coughs> I think uh, the varieties that we grow do very well here and especially Morev one of the top red varieties that a lot of my growers love. It's a hearty variety, uh, makes great red wine. And uh, it's it's one of those varieties that you there there's some in California, it's very old stuff from way back, but it does very well here. And, and sometimes you know when, I, when my daughter was working in Napa, <clears throat> the guys were jealous that we had all this Morved and they just had to grow cab but that's the way it is in Napa. You can't, you're not going to sell a $800 bottle of Morved, you're going to sell an $800 bottle of Cabernet. But I think that what we do here, and if we put our hat on what we do well, I think this could become a um, very well-known region.
3: Well, and not only that, uh, I like to bring this up anytime Jason's around, or I'm, I'm sure you can tell other nuances of this story, but a uh, hundred years before your father even planted those grapes, Texas helped save the
1: French wine industry. They did. They did. They don't like to admit it. Exactly. <laughs> That's why I bring it up all the time for all but our French did, listeners uh, and watchers. They did give the guy a, a huge statue and a legion of honor and for doing it. Uh, uh, they don't want to admit it anymore, but there are, <laughs> there are still some vineyards that in France that have the, the cuttings. Not, not many.
2: Yeah, his name was Thomas Munson at a Denit, TV TV went by TV Munson at a Denit. Thomas
3: Volney Munson,
1: and so he took the roots from Texas wild grapevine roots and shipped them to France, and they grafted vines onto them, and it was uh, phloxor resistant. Yeah. But the sad thing is, we gave them for a lot. Yeah, maybe we contributed to that problem, <laughs>
2: but we did bail. We hey, did save them too. We, we started it and stopped it. That's right. The cause and solution.
3: <laughs> well, and, and I think uh, I think it's cool to know like that these tough Texas roots are sitting in France right now. Like, I just, well, the when metaphor I went, is beautiful.
1: When I went to Davis, the the viticulture professors used to make uh, yearly trips to Texas, and. Uh, it, it was a known thing that Texas had the most indigenous wild grapevines of any state in the union. And they would go down creek beds all over the state looking for, uh, you know, wild grapevines. Uh, and they uh, they would bring those back to Davis and they were <clears throat> grafting them and, and hybridizing them and playing with them to see, you know. Some vines, some rootstocks work better in salty soil, some work better in clay, some work better in sandy loam. Some, some uh, rootstocks slow the vigor down, especially like on cab. Uh, most of the growers around here now are, are on their own roots, just because if a vine dies out, they can just go back and replant it.
2: Plus we have sandy soils very sandy soils out here, which are resistant to <clears throat> phylloxera, which is the, the bug that killed the European... It was an actual bug? Industry. Yeah, it's a, it's a louse. So it's like this... Like very small? Very small. Yeah. Not microscopic, but really tiny. Like aphids or something. Smaller than that. Yeah. And it just goes down and it, it lives in the soil and it uh, feeds on the roots and it creates little um, lesions and then scar tissue and, and basically the plant just can't bring up nutrients and water. Uh, and then it kills it, Sandy. But when you say Sandy,
3: it's a mix. It's not like it's. Do like you a like that, beach. Mallory? I do I
0: perked <laughs> up there in the middle of the bug story? We, I'm we, kidding. I love hearing about this. I have a, I have a degree in ag, and so I love I love all of this. Well,
3: I don't think you can live top. in Lubbock without an ag degree,
1: right?
0: You don't.
1: <laughs> the problem with sandy soils, though, is nematodes love sandy soil.
0: There you go.
3: It's a trade off, <clears throat> and those are
2: microscopic.
3: <laughs> well, so uh, Mallory, we just poured, this is some Llano Estacado, correct? I'm thinking so this. Tell us what you think, and Jason will tell us about the wine.
2: Yeah, let me, ch- yeah. You. So the wine we just poured is, um, it's 2016-1836 red, and 1836 was the year that Texas uh, gained independence from Mexico. It was when we were on free, free country, I guess, yeah. Republic. public. And, and so it's kind of, we're paying homage to the the brave Texans who fought in the Battle of San Jacinto. San Jack, if you're from Houston, yeah, and, uh, we say that in Austin too. <laughs> yeah, so, um, but really, it's just it's it's a blend of Syrah and Cabernet, uh, all sourced from West Texas, um, high plains or uh, some of it's from the high plains and some of it's from far West Texas out of Hudspeth County, um, same high elevation planting. It's an old vineyard that we've uh, that Yano that's sold to Yano's Yano St- uh, exclusively. It's called. It used to be called Montsec Vineyard. Now it's called Del Valley Vineyard. High elevation, um, almost 4,000 feet, so higher than than the High Plains. Uh, it's just west of the Guadalupe Mountains. So you've got the um, you can see Guadalupe Mountain, which is the tex- the highest yeah. mountain. Hey, I was Texas. gonna say that's as high as it gets in yeah. Texas. So you can see it. It's about you know 20 miles west of that. Um, little different soils. Higher, uh, you know, kind of caliche and, and uh, limestone content than out here, less sandy, a little more loamy. Anyways, long story short, it's a good place to grow grapes. Makes really killer Syrah, uh, really nice Cabernet Sauvignon, and this, that's what the blend is of these two. And this is a, a release that we actually just kept at the winery only, so this is a, typically this wine is released um, statewide, but 2016 stayed at the winery. And you and also have a wine club, it. right? I've had some of your wines from yeah, we actually released this as a wine club wine first, and um, for complicated reasons we won't go into right now, but um, we... Exclusivity we, drives all kinds of things. Yes, something along those lines. And yeah, released it to the wine club first, and then we um, released it for general sale in the, in the tasting room after that. And there's only like, geez, maybe 20 cases, 26 packs remaining of this. So it's about to be gone. It's about to be extinct. Yeah. Well, you like some? You like some?
3: <laughs> well, and to talk about volume in general, are you putting out 1,000 bottles a year, 10,000? What's a, what's a... Millions. Millions of bottles? Yeah,
2: millions of bottles. So just over 2 million. So this is very exclusive. If oh, it's only- oh, for that wine? That particular one. I'm talking in general. That particular right. wine, it was only uh, maybe 130 cases. So multiply that times twelve. Right. I can't do the quick math. I need Go ahead, Kim. Calculator.
1: What do you got? Well, uh, <clears throat> Thanks, our, our 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 production is uh, we put it on each label It's very small. Uh, probably the most is uh, Viognier at eighteen hundred cases. Uh, Sangiovese fourteen hundred. We don't do a lot of everything, but I think what we do is very good stuff. The biggest complaint that I always get from people is that I don't charge enough for my wines. <laughs> even from my daughter and uh, that may be true but I've always liked to think of us as sort of a friend of the working man. The uh, winemaker
2: for the people. Which, is, uh, which I have ta- taken note of that a long time ago and I strive to, to do the same thing. Just like we're doing today, wine on the, on the table at a barbecue joint Come on, this needs to be commonplace.
3: Guys. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm excited to have more wine as commonplace. And Jason uh, is Jason Hysaw, not Jason Santani, but Jason Hysaw, our advanced
5: sommelier, friend of the show, uh, is, is helping that happen all over Texas. Yeah, and so when I go out and I and I preach these wines to these sommeliers, and you know, I get some pushback sometimes from servers or you know restaurateurs are like, "Well, these wines are amazing, but I can only put them on my wine list for." you know, $60 a bottle or $40 a bottle, I'm like, you know, and they say, well, I can put a bottle of X from wherever on my wine list for 200 and I can sell that. I'm like, well, cool, you should do that. If you have a guest that is willing to buy a $200 bottle of wine, let them do it. But these bottles on your list for $60 and $40, you know, I have three sons, and when my wife and I go out to dinner, we don't have that kind of wine budget. We want to have $100 mm-hmm. worth of wine, a 60 and a 40 a white and a red, and we want to enjoy it. And these wines tell a story. So, again, like, you know, Kim said, you know, wines are the work. I mean, like, these wines are approachable. They're affordable. These are a Tuesday night wines. These are a Saturday night wines. These are wines that are meant to be enjoyed with friends, family, and kind of just what we're doing right now, you know, here. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone's
3: offended that we're using plastic cups. I think, I think we can enjoy wine. I got over noise. it a long time ago.
2: <laughs> no, I just want to point out, just like, you know, what. Mallory and her husband, I don't know his name. His is He's Arniss. currently
0: driving to Dallas to deliver a smoker, so he missed this shitty kinda, gig. Yes, Arlington. Yeah, we just Excuse switched me. places, basically. He's seeing a man about a
2: smoker, you know? And so <laughs> uh, what they do, it's almost like the same model, I think, that Kim has, has been doing. And I don't want to speak for him, but it just what I've seen is we try to over-deliver. We try to over-deliver on our product mm-hmm. and, and and make it available for everybody. That's it. Okay. <laughs> and that means,
3: that means um, and I like specialized knowledge. You know, I know a lot about barbecue. I'm learning a lot of wine. But that means that a, 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 so, someone who knows the winery, someone who knows the history, who knows what's out there, can go into a place and save $20, 40 $60 on a dinner and still get an incredible wine that was made right here in Texas. So, you know, for all the, the environmentalists or whatever, you know, it's a it's a shorter distance to travel. It's a, it's supporting the local state economy. It's a, there's there's so many positives. I could sp-
2: probably spend ten minutes here talking about it. Absolutely, and I think it's just like you know the Renaissance with with barbecue that's been going on in Texas. We're higher quality ingredients. Same thing with Texas wine grapes. Sourcing higher quality grapes or growers, the next generation of growers, building upon the previous generation and improving it. So you get a, a higher quality source material, and if you know what you're doing in the winery, which a lot of Texas wineries do know what they're doing, you know, it's a safe bet that when you go and eat at a Texas barbecue place and you see a Texas wine, that it's gonna be a killer combo right there. And it's all gonna be high quality, well, well tell,
3: made. tell us some of the quality control and, and how you're bringing uh, Evie May to the next level.
0: Oh, well, kind of the same thing with with grapes. We source the best meat that we can. We, I know Yoni said it earlier. We use certified Angus beef, prime beef, for our brisket. Um, we try to source the best, highest quality. We want to know where it came from, how it was harvested, the harvesting specs. We know, you know, uh, Certified Angus beef has really strict guidelines for harvesting as far as the age of the animal. Um, <clears throat> obviously, genetics play into it. Um, and, yeah, so we, we just kind of wanted to offer something a little bit different for West Texas where, peop, you know, barbecue obviously has been around here for hundreds of years, but not the type of barbecue that we have been doing. Um, so we kind of thought it was kind of a right place at the right time whenever we decided to do this. Um, and people have been really kind and awesome to us and show up every day And day. Um... We'd like
2: to thank you for that.
0: <laughs> thank you, Jason. Um, there's my mother-in-law. <laughs> yeah, we could get Arnis's mom over here to contribute. She's she's awesome. Did she, she pay awesome. for that? Uh, no, she does. She does not pay for barbecue. Laura does not pay for barbecue. <laughs> uh, anyways, we just we just want to serve the highest quality product. Kind of like Jason said, over deliver. We want to, which we're not cheap, but we can't be any cheaper, or we would be bankrupt.
3: <laughs> I would. I would call. I'm I'm looking at things from ten years from now, and. When you can buy brisket for less than a steak and a steak cooks minutes cooks in ten minutes mm-hmm. and a brisket cooks in sixteen hours you 're getting an, right now, I think Texas barbecue is one of the best deals in the world
0: yeah, and I mean a lot of people don 't understand that, and i mean we 'll have somebody come in that kind of freaks out that our brisket is twenty three dollars a pound, but what they don 't know is if we 're paying three ninety nine a pound for brisket, we yield forty percent, so we hand trim obviously we do reserve a little bit of that trim for our house-made sausage but a whole brisket that we buy at almost four bucks a pound yielding 40 percent not even including the labor the time the the amount of time that it takes to cook it trim it season it cut it serve it we're already at the price of a ribeye I mean that you would go to the store and buy a ribeye. And people don't blink at that. I mean, it's a ribeye. It should be that price. So they don't really realize the the quality of brisket that we are serving. So that's kind of been hard over the last five years, just sort of the education that's had to take place out here with that kind of brisket. And, you know, we aren't just cooking a cut of meat like 100 years ago where you just cooked it just enough to be edible. We're We're cooking that cut of meat to not make it just edible, but delectable and delicious and that goes makes me great want to scream. and it goes yeah, and, and you, it goes great with these wines and
2: you don't even need a pound because it's i mean you should definitely go buy a pound but <laughs> it's so rich and filling and it's so like intense in flavor mm-hmm. i mean it's, it's yeah a, right. you're getting so much time and effort and right. and intensity how much in will that a pound bite? feed
0: a pound i mean that'll feed 2 to 4 depending on how well, hungry for
1: people that's 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 cheap that's, that's rich it's six bucks I mean,
0: I think so, too. Um, it's it's hard in this part of the state, you know? I mean, but but I think people are kind of figuring that out and realizing that it's it's a high-quality product and that we really care about what we do, and, you know, we're not going to serve junk, and it's it's not cheap. Um, so we're, we're thankful that this part of the state is embracing us and kind of learning with us as we go, and it's pretty cool.
3: Well, and, and I think, you know, I've been... I, I, I don't want to be like the harbinger of doom here, but I've been telling people that, you know, expect it. Expect the price to go up, and and it really is the difference. You know, if if you're worried about spending money, if the price goes up $5, you know, you really, you you can still get, you you get a quarter instead of a half pound or whatever. But I I, I say go big because right now we have amazing producers. I've gotten to sit down with the certified Angus beef uh, ranchers and farmers. Excuse me. And just see how how hard they work. I mean, they they go they will go flying out in their truck as soon as they hear a calf is lost or someone's sick or you know that they, they really work hard because every piece of cattle is something that gets to come to a barbecue joint that gets to come to a great restaurant. And and I think that w- I mean we're sitting in, a, in an amazing um, you know w- w- this is a great group of people that that know about quality. But I've been talking about the quality of Texas barbecue I would pay double for all of this you know I, I'm, I'm all about supporting something that's of quality and the amount of work and time I mean there's there's fifteen people working right now yeah. you know it, it's it's not easy to run a place like this and you guys put out such a, a well thought out a, a quality product that I, I I don't even hesitate to put expensive wines cheap wines whatever i don't I don't hesitate to put wine with barbecue I think that in ten years, barbecue is going to be a much fancier mm-hmm. thing and, and I love the idea of people sitting around in suits using their fingers to eat sausage <laughs> and drinking wines out of plastic cups like I just think it's it 's time to cut down all the barriers and everyone to just enjoy the quality of food wine, everything that 's happening. We are in a, a beautiful renaissance of of, of of everything from wine to i mean uh sparkling waters you know well, we, there's there's 10 new sparkling water companies just in 2019 we sh- we're we're all trying to find uh, something delicious and beautiful and mm-hmm. and you guys are helping put we, this all we together should be
1: like uh the french it's very rare over in this country to see four guys at lunch sharing a bottle of rosé mm-hmm. uh this this would say we should be sitting here eating barbecue with four cups of a one of these beautiful red
2: wines that would be like incredible we're so, all, yeah, we're, it seems it's the same. At lunch. Yeah, the same <laughs> thought went through my head. The, the cultural, you know, importance of what what you've done, you know, and, and sourcing the highest quality, bringing back, you know, like Texas barbecue to its roots. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people across the state are doing that. And But working through the whole system from finding, you know, working with the, the growers of the cattle, um, how they harvest it, and every, all the importance that goes into it, it's totally synonymous with, the French wine culture and what they do there um, yeah. to make the best quality ingredient and have it on the tables and, and have it you know keep this cultural experience you know up there you know as uh, you know of great importance to to their region to their whole country and so yeah it's the same thing here i mean we're we're the size of France if we're going to talk about continue to talk about <laughs> france <laughs> larger larger we're Ger- we're german size that's what it is. <laughs> But, yeah, culturally important items need to stay around. They need people like Mallory and Arnis to continue that, you know, um, next generation, keep it going. It's super important for, you know, the entire state, really. Well, you'll have our to talk identity. to our
0: kids about carrying it on because I, I don't <laughs> yeah. think they, li- they don't like this place very much. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. They're too little. Yeah. Evie, Evie wants to be a welder, so maybe she'll build. Smokers. okay, there's welders
2: involved. Yeah, yeah right?
0: there is part of it. No, um, but back to the wine with the barbecue. So we, we don't have a liquor license, so we don't buy, you know, a whole lot of alcohol. We are BYOB or wine. We do dinners once a month where we serve a prime rib menu, and people bring their – and we give away beer and wine, and we do buy Yano and McPherson wines for those dinners a lot of times. Um, but, yeah, we need to do something where we have bottles of wine just for a regular day of service. I mean, that needs to be – we need to have Texas wines out here for lunch, not just Coors Light, Shiner Bock. You
2: know, Texas wine is now, <laughs> it, it yeah. comes on tap now, you know.
4: That's
1: true. <laughs> I, I'm going to throw a, a big thing here to my buddy Jason. <laughs> uh, which, which one? Hi, Saul. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, he is now with the governor's office. He is now the official ambassador for Texas Wines. Uh, He's got to get his picture made with Sid Miller, though. (laughs) Anyway, uh, that's a good thing. I
0: don't want to talk about Sid because of our scales. That's a whole other conversation. Let's not not bring up scales.
1: And
4: uh, He's
1: probably the best thing that Republic's ever done in the last 10 years is to hire this guy as our ambassador for what he's done. So,
2: cheers to that! Yeah, yeah absolutely. There.
0: Actual cheers, not just say it. Got a little <laughs>
1: bit. He can bring to a restaurant; they'll believe him, or they wouldn't believe me or Jason Santani. They'll believe him. So yeah, with that, with that kind of incredible,
3: suit. and and I think it's forward thinking to 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 have Jason out there. He is trying to put a Texas wine on every menu, whether it's a barbecue joint. I mean. Uh, I'm the sure hardest you're, sale possible, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm sure you all have already heard, but he helped put bring Texas wine to a joint called Terry Blacks in Austin, and now they have 20. How many wines do they have on?
0: 18. 18 in Austin and yeah. They yeah I've, so I've seen it on the social media. I've seen it on social media posts, and actually, we hung out with Daniel Vaughn this weekend at Camp Brisket at Texas A&M. Anyways, mm-hmm. shout out to those guys. Awesome weekend. But, yeah, Daniel Vaughn was talking about – he's the barbecue editor for Texas Monthly Magazine. But he was talking about how you walk into Terry Black's and how cool. Like, there's wine. You can just grab a bottle of white, bottle of red, whatever, to go with your barbecue before you even get to the food, which is really cool.
3: Well, and I like that it's a whole bottle. It's not like, we're going to pour a you a glass, yeah. take a bottle. Uh, and, and I think it's cool because all it took was a con- – it, it's not like there was – they were looking for wine. It's, all, all Jason had to do was go, hey – what do you think about this? Now there's 18 wines that are, are they all Texas wines? No,
5: they have some, some Oregon and Napa, but majority
3: Texas. Majority Texas. So there's, you know, at least a dozen wines there that are all Texas. They're getting pulled off the shelves every day. And it's something that people didn't really think about. But now that it's sitting in front of them, there's a case, you know, there's a beautiful rack as they walk in. they Just grab a bottle, you know? Anything from 30 to, what, what, what would you say the max is, 60.
5: Yeah, about yeah thirty
3: thirty dollars to six dollars at the most, and that's something you can share with your friends, and it, it it matches so well too. You know, when you get a platter of brisket, you get a platter of meat. You're you're sticking your fingers in there. You're 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 sharing. You're handing it out. And even while we've been talking, Jason's been cutting up pieces, giving them to Kim, and and everyone else. And just a uh, just I, I love the idea of sharing. I almost never want to go to a restaurant again and get my own plate. Mm-hmm. I just want. A bottle of wine for everyone to share, a big platter for everyone to share, and we just like talk about life and stop worrying about eating. But, yeah, but it just no washes minutes. it
2: down so easily.
1: I mean, you sorry. Know, Ken. Your, your tea's good, but isn't this better?
3: Absolutely. That yeah. didn't make that barbecue just Boy, boom, yeah. pop oh, yeah. right
2: off the plate. Well, well it's rich. You got rich, rich, you know, flavors. You got fat in there. It's just mouth filling, a mouth coating, and the wine's acidity. Just like you'd pair a, you know, a Cabernet with good acidity with a, you know, a fatty steak, a ribeye. Mm-hmm. It's the a same thing. It's literally, the exact same concept.
5: Right. Would you take
0: natural.
5: Natural. him? Uh,
1: another master psalm in this state, Guy Stat, who's a character in his own right. He always goes around saying a Cab and a slab, a slab and a Cab. <laughs>
3: Can you elaborate on that point?
1: Well, like a big ribeye and a nice bottle of Cabernet. But I think... Brisket and Barbera. I think oh. the red wines today were incredible with this, with this meal. They were really incredible. Uh, Sausage and Syrah. <laughs> All right, I'll
4: stop. Are
0: we going to make T-shirts now? <laughs>
1: oh, man, okay. I'm just telling you, it was very good.
0: Hey, you joke. I'm about to order right now. Sausage and Syrah. <laughs>
1: All these wines today were just absolutely, just, they were, there was nothing, they was just incredible.
3: Well, and I'll add them into the show notes. Some of them obviously are exclusive, so you have to join a club or uh, get to know Jason here a little better to get a hold of one.
2: (laughs) No, they're, uh, all the ones I brought are, are, they're all available at the wine. They're all available? Uh, Two of them are available um, through broad distribution. Uh, Not in like grocery stores or anything, you have to. Source them out at a specialty wine shop or restaurant.
5: Well, and I, and just email Jason point, Yeah, Exactly, get, get, get
2: in touch with me. But
5: I want to make sure that you know the wines that I show from them also have some kind of exclusivity to restaurants in sommeliers. And just you know, again, you're not going to find it in every grocery store and every you know retail setting. I want certain Texas wines to be in a more restaurant setting because they deserve the credit to be paired with certain fine foods and on uh, restaurant wine lists. Yep. Uh, and the beautiful thing is like, uh,
3: I, I feel like a surfer. I feel like someone who I, I was, I was kind of paddling when I started the show. I'm paddling a little bit harder, and, and I feel like I'm just catching a wave where we get to eat some of the best food in the state. We get to drink the best wine in the state. And, and we're just sitting here doing it, like you know, no one barely, people barely even know. So, like, oh, there's a bunch of mics and cameras over there, but you can it, just
0: see, yeah, people. Like, I've I've seen the, the farmers stare at us. <laughs> a lot of our regular customers are like, "What's going on here?" But but I,
3: I think it's cool to make it a big deal because all of you. I mean, I I get to show up and 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 cover the story, but you guys are working so hard every day to make this a reality, and and, and I think it's so interesting because. You know, no one knows what goes in that sausage more than Mallory. No one knows what goes into every bottle than Kim and Jason. And
1: but ahead, we, we need you more than you need us. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Well, because you are getting it out to the public. And that's a big thing. And without the public, I mean, who's going to come to Lubbock to my winery except if you're going to Colorado or New Mexico? Right. Uh, even though we do have a wine tasting agreement in Fredericksburg, it's just that uh, you know we, we need the we need people out here. The social media, mm-hmm. you know, whatever yeah. you may want to say about it, it's it's a you know two edged sword, but it's incredible for us.
3: Well, and let's talk about that because you have an amazing building in Lubbock, an old Coca Cola bottling plant, yes, yes. and I mean. Was that something the dock secured or no, how no, did that no. even happen? I,
1: I did that because I was in a winery for 16 years that was out in the country and we had well water, we had, a, we had our own wastewater system and, and this and that and I just got tired of that and I wanted to be an urban winery mm-hmm. and when this building came up, uh, it was the old Coca-Cola plant, I mean it was sort of like it just fit. Mm-hmm and the city welcomed me with open arms and i have my own water now i have sewage i have electricity <laughs> i have it all and uh you know it's incredible i love it and if you go to europe i mean if you if you a lot of wineries are in in the towns in the villages and mm-hmm. and they're not they're not out some of them are but you know when we were in rioja in spain i mean there was all kinds of wineries in in the town there, you know, yeah. it was, so I don't know. I well, like being in town.
0: Yeah. Well, and to touch on what Kim said about social media and us needing you more than you need us, being in this part of the state is, is difficult from, from a barbecue standpoint, from a wine standpoint, I'm sure. we're. I mean, people don't bat an eye to spend X amount on a bottle of wine at a winery in Fredericksburg. You know, it's just a lot different in West Texas. The mindset's a little bit different. Lubbock's a slow town, slow to catch on, which is great in a lot of ways. I love that. I love so much about Lubbock. We'll never leave here. But, yeah, it's really difficult. And we do. We need podcasts and interviews and people to kind of tell the story and to say, look, like, yeah, we're out here in West Texas, kind of out here in the middle of nowhere. No, there's not a million people out our door. But we're really working hard to provide some of the best quality food and wine in the state. And we deserve to be talked about, too. You know, exactly. I mean, I mean, we deserve to be in the conversation as much as the barbecue joints in Austin, as much as the wineries in Fredericksburg and Napa and all these other places. And so we appreciate you coming because it, it's cool to get to talk about it and, you know get excited about it because there's a lot of really cool things happening out here
1: we don't get much folk like you out here <laughs> we, don't, we don't get
0: oh man i mean this guy walking in here with his stash and his his <laughs> suspenders i could see the people staring
2: <laughs> well you know i was gonna point out it's i didn't grow up in west texas and, <clears throat> and, and and i grew up in houston and this area is kind of a forgotten part of the state mm-hmm. and you don't you don't think about it growing up but then you come out here and you realize its importance mm-hmm. whether it's um you know a main source of wine production Grape growing and wine production, wine growing and wine production, I should say, or a source for cattle and you know farming that goes directly into, you know, great barbecue production. So you don't think about it. And the rest of the state, you know, it consumes it, but without West Texas, I don't, I doubt we would be, we would be sitting here today talking about what we're talking about.
3: Well, and, and give us a sense. You know, we talked about it 85 percent of the state, of the wine produced in the state. How much? Land is that. What, what are we talking as far as acres?
2: Well, just to um, kind of correct the, per- the statistics thrown out there, uh, it's it's a high percentage, seventy-five percent plus of the wine grapes grown. Right. Production is still pretty high, but we don't know exactly if it's above seventy-five percent of wine production. I doubt that. But just to just because I like to quote <laughs> accurate hey. statistics, um, what was the question? Uh, <laughs> h-
3: how many? In, in sheer land, because I know that yeah. compared to... You, you've got a
2: yeah. million acres. The of, of, yeah. uh In this
1: AVA, you've got a little over a million acres that could probably be planted to grapes.
2: An AVA is an American viticultural area. It, it kind of defines that region and what makes it important about, or why it's important for growing wine grapes. There's definitions behind it. Just like Napa Valley, is. that's an AVA. So, like, to kind of bring a barbecue similarity, you know, everyone has a different style of, say, oak that they use. Or or wood that they use to to smoke the meat, um, or
0: or meat that they source. Thank you. Yeah, I was yeah. kind of. <laughs> I knew. Gotcha. Gotcha. I knew where you were going.
2: So the important, yeah, there's a there's a large amount of acreage available, that is that is um, exclusive to the viticultural area, and you know you can tack on that that AVA to the grapes that you sell to a winery, and they can. For, you know, put that on the label of wine, and, and then you know that that's a quality area that those grapes came from. Hence, the wine should be a, coming from a reputable producer. Hence, the wine should be good. Well, we haven't even gotten close to our potential, what we can plant out here. Um, you know, we don't have exact statistics, but, you know, there's 5,000-plus there's acres of wine grapes. Um, some of that's coming into production. So we're, we're still growing, man. I mean, we've got a long it's way hard. to go. Absolutely. I mean, 5,000 acres, that's a
1: really small vineyard for Gallo, <laughs> okay, or, or, yeah. or Freddie Franzia, okay? That, that's tiny. Is his name actually Freddie Franzia? Yeah, Freddie Franzia. <laughs> what?
3: <laughs> that's amazing.
1: And, uh, you know, 5,000 acres is, eh, you know, we have that over yeah. in the north end of Sonoma or something. Yeah. I mean, we, st- we still have a long way to go, and, and, but we're getting there. Now, if we finched it all in, we could call it a clo. <laughs> <laughs> a what? A clo. It's a, clo. It's a French word for wall. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's a wine geek humor, right there.
2: It's a, a little bur- wine geek humor. <laughs> Just Google Burgundy and C L O S. C L O S. And Wikipedia will take care of the rest.
3: There's a there's a pit maker named K L O S, right? Close pits.
0: <laughs> oh, I don't know. There was one at,
2: was
3: one at Red Dirt. She Not. Yeah, not that um, A. V. Mays barbecue pits aren't some of the best in the world, though.
0: True story. Uh, so,
3: <laughs> the the cool thing is that the, these things are driving all kinds of industry. You know, we've got. It sounds like we've got thousands of acres Thanks. of wine that.
0: Bye guys, thank y'all.
3: That uh that that are still ready to be grown.
1: More satisfied customers.
3: We also have a. We also have a buttload of uh, looks like tanks in the back that RNS is looking to turn into something.
0: Yeah, so we kind of have a tank graveyard out there because we've had such a backlog of smokers smoker orders. But we're we're kind of trying to get Arnis out of the pit building and bring him back to the restaurant. So I think he may take a small break from pit building. He loves it and he he loves welding and tinkering and building and creating. But we need him over here with what he started. <laughs> so we're kind of getting him back over here. So he may take a small break from the smoker building. So,
3: Well, and, and uh, just to relate it to wine again, you know, you guys are building. You're the only place in Texas that builds a reverse style pit. Yeah. That means that the place where you put the wood in to create the fire is also just below the exhaust. So most, most offset pits in Texas, mm-hmm. there's fire on one side. And a smokestack on the other. Mm-hmm. The smokestack is right above the firebox, which means the smoke goes all the way through and back again. Right. Um, is, yeah. that, is that a challenge to, to sell people on? Or?
0: So, no, well, pre Texas Monthly being the ninth best barbecue joint in Texas, so they say, maybe. But after that, they were like, oh, cool. It's yeah, right. something's right, which obviously you can buy any pit from the most talented welder in the state and unless you know what you're doing you're not really going to the, a great pit does not equal great barbecue. But, yeah, reverse flow. I know Yoni walked in the pit, pit room and he said, why are these smokers all backwards? He was kidding. He knows the <laughs> difference. But, yeah, we, but we love the way it cooks our meats and our briskets, um, that baffle plate and the way the heat has to kind of switch back and carry back across. You get a really great convection and radiant heat. And so our briskets cook a lot different than just a straight reverse flow pit. Um, and it's a lot different to cook on. Um, I wouldn't say harder. You just have to learn yeah. how to cook on it. Um, but we don't know any different. Arnest built a reverse flow as his first cooker. He never cooked on a traditional offset. So that's what we replicated from our small smoker to a thousand gallon and then another thousand gallon and then now, you know, 4,000 gallons. That's just what we know. So it's what we do.
2: And I, saw, I saw
5: one in Arlington. And yeah. yeah, I saw a couple in Arlington at a Hurtado barbecue in Arlington. So they're obviously you guys are expanding the – the reverse yeah. smokers uh, throughout the Texas. Is it Converse. patented? I was just gonna Please tell me it is. So
0: no, no, it's not patented. And I'll tell you that reverse flow is a thing. Yeah. There are some other builders in the country that do a reverse flow. I think there's a big one. Is it Lang? Lang Lang pits, um, and they're kind of they're used a lot in competition barbecue. Um, real nice pits, um, but no, it's just not as common. Okay. So he didn't come up with it. Yeah. It was just what he built.
3: Well, but at the same time. People will look at reverse flow pits, but they will come all the way to Texas and, and, and skip all those states just to buy an EV maze pit, just to buy something that Arnest created because he has taken that idea of reverse flow. He's taken that idea of almost slowing the smoke down so that that second move of the smoke really kisses the meat just right. And he's taken it to a level where I'm not going to give away some of the things he's told me, but he, he has adapted those pits um, and, you know, we'll have
1: them on the show soon enough about it. You can taste it. You can taste it right here. Yeah. You well, can taste
3: it.
0: And- because the misconception is with reverse flow pits that it gets too hot because of that heat with the heat and smoke switching back and having to make its way back to the smokestack, that it will burn the bottom of your briskets. But the way Arnest builds them and the way he puts the grates, and well, we don't have a problem with that. Um, so I think that's the misconception with, with regular reverse flow, which isn't with our pits. Well,
3: and, and I, w- I was going to relate, you know, wine and barbecue again, but I was going to say that it takes th- – there's lots of little moves. There's lots of little ways that your pits are different from most reverse flow pits. There's lots of ways that you have earned. And although you say ninth, I think that – I challenge anyone to, to tell me the difference between the top ten barbecue joints because they're all – if you 're in the top <laughs> so ten you're, you're number all of ten are number one to me
0: yeah I mean there's so many so much fantastic barbecue in the state and, and we love Texas Monthly, and the rankings are awesome and they 're so great for us and it 's sort of a fun thing, but truth is, there are a ton of great barbecue joints in the state that you can get some of the most fantastic brisket not everybody I mean a lot of people think because you 're a top ten joint that you should just be far and away. Better than yeah. all these other. We're jo- about it's not degrees. the. You're right. You're talking about. Yeah. I mean the quality of the meat sourced with the top ten barbecue joints. The love and care that goes into it and preparing everything, stuffing sausage, making sides and desserts, homemade. Speaking of dessert, I need to go get us some dessert. I just realized I need can, to buy. Can it I up. ask you? Sure. When you
1: say joint, is that a lovingly a loving term for yeah. barbecue
3: place? Yeah, not okay.
0: like marijuana joint. Okay. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. No, it is. It's like right, a. Good. Yeah. No, I, joints. That's kind of what we call. Yeah. Barbecue
3: joints. Okay, barbecue good. Joint. I love that. Well,
0: yeah, low low key, nothing fancy. It's a joint. It's not a restaurant. We don't have waitresses. We, you know, table service. It's just, it's a joint.
1: I love it.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I like the way that we can drink four bottles of wine, eat barbecue, and you know, we could have spent as much or more than someone would have spent in a steakhouse. If we we're getting amazing barbecue in the middle of the day, and, and I think it's so interesting because there there's just so much quality to everything we've eaten. I mean, I'm still I'm looking across the table to some things that I haven't even had to taste yet <laughs> and I will get a bite, but it, it's
2: fine dining Texas style. My
3: exactly.
0: Mind. And I, why shouldn't you have a glass of wine at lunch? Not just a beer. Fine dining in Lubbock. Yes. In Lubbock. Hey <laughs> <Yeah>. man, Wolferth. <laughs> well, that's
2: right. Wolferth. Yeah, hi. Yeah. Well,
4: Our, and my my suburb, question is, suburbia.
2: you know, Mallory,
3: Mallory waxed upon the different ways that they're they are they're making pits different. They're making meat different. They're, they're looking for high quality. You know, between you two winemakers... Which, by
2: the way, I, I, I've finally felt the same sensation that other people feel whenever I, I start waxing on the dynamics of this wine tank or that and yeah. the, the subtleties of this wine and that. I got the little, I got that slight glaze over, and I think it's amazing that barbecue joints can, can speak like that. Nowadays. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's awesome. Well, and,
3: and some of these, you know, Mallory might be able to speak on it, but just in general, the some of these places are they're adjusting how many grams of pepper they put into things. They're yeah. adjusting how many, you know, d- the different uh, uh, course, whether it's pepper or garlic powder or onion powder, you know, whatever yeah. you're putting on your briskets, whatever you're putting in your meat, the, there are so many minuscule adjustments that could make a world of yeah difference.
0: so I mean 50 years ago you you might have just had a guy you know dip a brisket in whatever seasonings you know just mix this mix that it's a lot different these days and it is very scientific it is very I mean we do measure we measure our salt our pepper by by weight and volume and things are very accurate I mean from our sides to our desserts to our meat, especially, you know, we weigh the green chili, we weigh the cheese, we weigh everything that goes into everything. So, it, I mean, it's very, it's it is a craft. It's not, it's not it willy nilly. The
2: more we talk about it, the more there's similarities between the two. There's a lot. And it's like blowing my mind right now. Welcome to the best barbecue show.
4: <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> and, and art and is a-
2: science. How many times have you heard that in the wine industry? Yeah. And I it's mean,
0: the same wow. in barbecue. I mean, it is. It's art. It's, 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 it's a craft, it's small batch it's, I mean yes we can do high, high volume you guys can do high volume and do it well, but there's something to be said for doing smaller amounts of what you do really, really freaking good and not cutting corners
5: when you sell out you're done. I mean, that's no. what, that's what you mean. I making, love that. I you know, love and it. And the fact that you know he's making same thing. You're yeah. He's making 100 gone. cases of this. He's yeah. making 200 cases of that. When it's gone, it's gone. Like right. that's you know that's it's a, it has a short window. for people to enjoy it, mm-hmm. and that's what it's meant to be. It's not yeah. meant to be just like overproduced. Yeah. Wait right.
2: for tomorrow here. Wait for next year uh, with the yeah, winery. Yeah,
0: right. It's just a little <laughs> bit longer in wine. A little bit longer.
2: Well, and my question is,
3: I know a lot about the nuances of barbecue. So, what are the ways that you're maybe challenging yourself, or maybe Y'all are, are changing the way you make wine or, I mean, I, I just got to, to tour a little bit of McPherson and there's these beautiful giant tanks that you might see at a brewery, but they're very different because they're for wine. You mm-hmm. might see different ingredients or you, you might be sourcing different yeasts. I mean, is there? I'm going to
2: go uh, get dessert for us. Oh, thank you, Mallory.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, no, I
2: know where you're going with that. And let's go. winemaking nowadays is a combination of traditional um, and modern techniques. And so it's, you don't see the immediate results most of the time. you you got to wait till later to see how it impacted your, your final product. But, it's yeah, it's, it's remembering what you did um, and seeing how it affected the end product and making adjustments for next year or not. Sometimes the hardest part is doing nothing, you know. The hardest you know, I mean, part is
3: recreating the same thing. Yeah,
2: you know, and, and not messing with it too much. Because you're always trying to outdo yourself from the previous year. At least I am. And sometimes it's, most of the time it's subtle, you know, changes or subtle improvements. Um, but, geez, it's the same thing. I mean, same thing with barbecue and, and what's happened over the years. Um, yeah. Uh, are, there,
3: are there innovations? Are there techniques? Are there technologies yeah. that are trying to change the wine industry? Or Yeah, you- just like,
2: because I'm going to, just because... I mean, I'm gonna keep tying in this whole barbecue thing. Yeah. The same thing that Mallory was talking about—the dynamics of airflow and and their you know um, their style of pit and putting the damper where they put it and and all that. I don't. I know nothing about it except for the five minutes I heard her speak. I know a little it. bit, but yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, it's it can, it's as technical as that. I uh, like that. It's it's oxygen influence in red winemaking, or the lack thereof for white winemaking, or sometimes a combination of you know. Reductive and oxidative styles. There are cultured. I want to point out natural yeast that are available. Okay, and that's a that's a whole other topic. Ask Cassie about that. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, there's there's cultured yeast available that um, can really um, just really explode aromatics and 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 focus on certain um, varietal components of the wine that typically wouldn't be you know, expressed on, um, you know, say using native yeast. Um, yeah, man, there's, there's a ton of things that are being developed right now or have been developed that we're implementing in our industry to improve our products on. And do you
3: guys feel like sometimes you just have to pick something and go for it because there's so many choices? Or do you feel like you're a certain percentages, we know this is going to come out great and here's where we're going to experiment?
2: Yeah, you can like apply averages of what you've done, but you got to remember every single year is different here. It's not—we don't have a Mediterranean climate. Um, right. We don't know exactly what we're going to be handed, what kind of hand we're going to be dealt every single year. If you want to make that analogy, and you're talking and so sometimes you are scaling back, you know, your percentage of new oak. Sometimes you're not using any new oak. Sometimes you're just not even leaving the stainless steel tank. So you got to take what you get for the year, um, which you've helped develop with your growers, but. Even then, sometimes there's curveballs, and you don't know exactly, you know, what's gonna what's gonna show up in the in the fermenter, um, and you you use your experience, you use your knowledge um, to to kind of help mold the best possible product.
3: And is there a you know I've been I've been to a lot of breweries around the state of Texas, and every once in a while there's a beer they just pour on the drain. Is there a certain amount of loss, or are wineries are you to the point now where you're 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 not really filling yeah, ab- anything?
2: Absolutely, I think the the um, the art of or the craft of making wine is you know a continuation of losses. Okay, there's always every time you move a wine, every time you handle it, there's a loss involved. So, so in not, not a not a catastrophic or, or, or total loss. Sometimes, I mean, accidents happen, but uh, I would say yeah, you're you're removing a little bit here and there. It's um, and. You know, the wine is self-clarifying over time um, just through natural settling. Or, you know, if, the, if you filter or fine, then, yeah, there's going to be losses involved. But, yeah, the whole process from start to finish is a series of losses. Yeah. What would you
3: say, you know, I, uh, Jason and I have a lot of fun. Uh, not you, Jason, but this Jason. Uh, gotcha. We, we have a lot of fun. I'm
2: having fun.
3: We have a lot of fun <laughs> sitting around drinking wine. Uh, talking about barbecue, all these things, uh, to me, most of these wines happily pair with with barbecue. Most of the foods, you know, I'm not, I'm not a stickler. I'm not, I'm not, ter- you know, I'm not worried about every little. If this is a pepperier, or this is whatever. Yeah. Um, do you feel like to me you can pair almost any red with you know the red meat the things we're eating? Is there something from your winery from McPherson just in general? Would you, would you suggest certain pairings, or would you say, you know, just bring a bunch of wine and taste it for yourself?
2: I can't prove it, but it seems like just every wine that was selected today, which there was a lot of advice given by our brother Jason Heisall over there. Yeah. And his infinite knowledge in wine, wine and food pairing. But he, uh, just the wines he mentioned, because I asked him before I came, which wine should I bring, and he just, off the cuff, he just knew where to go with it what i can't prove know a lot is about barbecue and wine. Exactly. So from the same area, there's no there's no question that, you know, wines, local wines and local food, they just go together. And that's exactly what we're seeing here, man. All the wine, all the local food and the local wine just went together. And, you know, it, we make a lot of different local wine, but with a little bit of guidance, a um, little bit of suggestion, it just paired perfectly. You know, like I said, the fat, the marbling in the meat, the the, um, you know, the the smokiness, um, the texture. It just washed down. You know that wine just washed it down magically, and it's, that's what it's all about.
5: Well, and again, like I I consider these two gentlemen in front of me, like you know, dear friends. We have dinner probably once a month here in Lubbock, and we bring some cool wines. And Yoni and Cass are going to join us tonight for some old old Fr- you know, old French wines. But it's like, Fuck yeah. <laughs> but it's about you know. But again, going back to that, like, wine, it's, wine is just meant to be enjoyed with a family and friends. And it's about, like, sitting around a table just talking about it and just enjoying it. And, like, you know, he, he said, what should I bring? And Kim said, what should I – like, it's just I know their wines. I know what they're capable of. And I know these wines are going to shine with this kind of cuisine. And at the same time, these wines can shine with, you know, the highest-end, you know, French cuisine at some of the highest-end places in Houston, Dallas, and Austin and San Antonio. Like, these wines, again, deserve recognition for being a great – wine category not just oh it's a great wine for texas like no that is i don't allow that to be said around me these are great wines and that's kind of where i'm at with it and just these are great wines for what they are
1: great do wine. Sh- do you have to brown bag them still good <laughs>
2: brown <laughs> bag yeah I'll just go on record and say texas wines listen up texans texas wines don't suck anymore okay <laughs> right can we just say that out loud and- well haven't haven't aren't we far from that point aren't we yes but still there's a lot of people in the state and everyone hasn't heard it yet but,
3: but at the same time, me and Jason were talking. I've been grilling Jason for the last twelve hours because we're sitting in the car and there's nothing better to do than me to just take notes and ask him questions. Uh, it seems like the word Texas actually brings value to wine outside of the state and in parts of the state. What do you think, Kim?
1: Well, it's been a uh, it's been a rough hill when I first started out, especially. Uh, then Sangiovese, an Italian variety. Yeah, go. oh, go? We uh, we uh, had to brown bag that a lot when we went into restaurants, and and when we, we did, uh, people always thought that it was an Italian wine because this is what we kind of had a goal at it, MacPherson, to make old world wines in a new world kind of a style and. We're not big oak fanatics, uh, we, we like to go fruit forward, and the Sangiovese would always fool people. In fact, I've, I've been invited twice, I've sent my wines twice to Italy for the, for the um, International Sangiovese Symposium, and they always, they, 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 they think that it's, it, it is old world, and that's one thing that really makes me proud, really m- more than a gold medal. is. Uh, old world feel and we can do this we can do this in this state if 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 we wanted to and I want to and, I, and I've been doing it but I know we can do it
3: when so. you're talking about stumping the sommeliers basically. basically you're talking about a blind taste they, they will or, call it an old world uh,
1: maybe not maybe a certified one maybe you go into a restaurant and the guy says he's a sommelier the deal and you can fool him and, and I don't know um, I don't, I don't know how I would phrase that, but, uh, you just, you taste the wines and you go, huh, this isn't Texas. You go, yeah, it is. We used to do that a lot, but not, we don't do that anymore.
5: And I don't have to do that. Like, and again, like Cassie's a fellow advanced sommelier and like, you know, she obviously, you know, is in Napa Valley and she gets to taste a lot of great wines. She was at a Michelin star, uh, lazy bear. And like, so again, we've been very blessed to taste a lot of great wines in our career. So again, when I go to these sommeliers and restaurateurs in Texas and I just say, hey, I know what good wine tastes like and I want to make sure that you know what Texas is capable of. I'm never going to bring the wrong wine to the account because I've done my homework on that restaurant. I know what their menu is. I know what they're serving and I want to make sure I bring wines so I don't have to like do games or play anything. It's not for me anyway. He's bonafide. You know, I want to make sure that I want, you know, Taste Texas through my eyes, her eyes, our eyes, to show you what Texas is capable of. And, again, I don't have to do parlor tricks, and, and I don't have to round back it, because, again, the wines speak for themselves. Santani, yourself, and many other winemakers around the state of Texas are making high-caliber wines, and I let the wines talk for themselves. And I can at least get in the door with maybe a certification or whatever, whatever you want to count me for what I am. I can at least walk in the door and say, hey, taste with me. That's where I'm at with it. And they will. Well, and, and,
3: you know, thank you to Jason Santani he had to run out. But I, I think it's, I think it's, I think the beauty of Texas wine, I think that the beauty of what's happening in the state, you know, people people get caught up in their own local economy, environment, whatever. But it's, it's truly, Texas is growing in, in unbelievable ways. In a decade, we might be compared more to a European country than to, than to an American country because of the quality. I mean, there's amazing breweries as far as beer. There's unbelievable wines. The, the distilleries. The, yeah. Distilleries. distilleries are killing it. And the barbecue, the food in general, we are locking down so much. I mean, Texas barbecue is it now in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. It's in uh, Australia. It's bigger than any Australian barbecue. You know, they're used to just sausages and things. Uh, South Africa, I've got guys in Saudi Arabia I talk to. I mean, I'm talking to people all over the world that all they want to do is recreate what we're creating in Texas. Mm-hmm. It's it's incredible.
1: You hear more about Texas than you do Kansas City barbecue or St. Louis style or, you know, it's all about Texas. <laughs> do what? I? I said, I'm glad you said it. Well, I mean, I mean th- those styles, they do have their place, but...
0: Oh, of course. It's just such a different... Yeah, it's just different. And what people, I think the... The craft of it and the art of it and the, what Texas has done for brisket, people want to recreate it everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and there, it's only a matter of time until places like Kansas City and other, other you know, the South. Um, I know there's people doing it in North Carolina, South Carolina. Um, that's that's pork country. Yeah, it is pork country. And they, they, and they, they do a good. They may,
1: they, their ribs may, mm, you know, they're
0: pretty good. They're delicious. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah.
5: All right. We're pulling Jason Heiss well, out just, of this side I'm, of the I'm table. I'm going to say this. Like, <laughs> Texans are very prideful of things from Texas. If you look at Bucky's, Lone Star, Garrison Brothers, Tito's, like... China Bach. China Bach. Like people are very prideful things from Texas. So when I go to a restaurant and I say, listen, I'm not asking for hundred Texas wines on your section. I'm not asking for fifty. I'm asking for a white and a red to start and see how it does. Because again, we eat local, we drink local, you know, your barbecue is very about the epitome of local barbecue. Like again, embrace local, so why not a Texas wine on, you know, on someone's wine list? And again, because Texans are prideful things from Texas. Yeah.
3: You can sit over here, Jason, if you want. We got We can switch Jason's uh, but, but that's that's kind of the secret right now. It's like I, I love being able to report on the fact that Texas is just taking things to the next level. Uh, you know I, I'm not sure, you know, obviously a winery I, I I have to create a calendar for this show, so I have to think months ahead of time. Now, a winery, you have to think years ahead of time. You have to think about something you might leave in a barrel for a year, two years, five years, or bottle it. You know, Jason showed up here with, with bottles from the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. And, you know, wine is this, this thing where you, you have to think about it for years, decades. And is it— uh, Yeah, we
1: don't want a brisket that's— been
3: 10 years no, old. No, that, no, no. that
0: wouldn't be good would it no <laughs> <laughs> we're not aging briskets for a decade no no no,
3: no. uh if if we did all it would be left is like one bite probably yeah
0: it'd be gross that's <laughs> for sure <laughs> Dry yeah.
3: but but what i mean is um are there are these reserves are there things that are sitting in cellars waiting for years like how do you think about the wine world when you're when you're thinking about what you're creating, you know, not everything is going to come out next year, right?
1: Well, like Jason said, every year is different. In 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 out here, it is. Uh, it, it's different, really, everywhere you grow grapes. Uh, even in Napa, I mean, Napa could have this, and they could have that. They could have too much rain. They could have, you know, and it's different. And and it's different. Uh, I always heard when I was in California, every year, every year in California is a vintage year. Somewhere, mm-hmm. it's either in. Paso Robles or Sonoma, or it, it, it was incredible. But out here, we, we get what the good Lord gives us. And when I was at Davis, or if, if you're in Napa, I always heard that it's 85% vineyard and only 15% winemaking because the grapes there are so, I mean, they're beautiful. And so it's like you just barely touch them. And here, it's just opposite. We we get fruit from guys and, 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 it, and we, we, you know, we really make wine here, mm-hmm. and it's it can be difficult, but sometimes it's real easy.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And do you feel like ninety percent of the stuff that you're creating, you know, like I asked before, there's not a lot of waste. You're you're getting everything out of the grapes. I mean, you have I couldn't even count how many. Uh, well, what do you call the things in the winery? The the tanks steel tanks that are. Just filled to the brim. Um, you got three. I well, do there. have a few empty ones. <laughs> but what I mean is, the majority of them are full. You've got these guys working on. You know, I was talking to a guy who was replacing. I don't know if it was a filter or something, but he was rep- he was replacing bearings and something. You have this beautiful space where you're creating wine. You're running it through all these systems. You're using you know these rare yeasts and all these things. Is it? At this point, your second generation, uh, with your third generation sitting across the table, are, you, are there challenges or are you just trying to keep the, the train moving forward?
1: Well, she'll probably give me the cutoff sign about me getting on my soapbox. I think Texas will only become a mainstay grape state like Oregon or Washington, mainly Washington whenever we could have a national brand. And I, when I say a national brand, I'm saying like if I go to Washington, it's Chateau St. Michel or it's Columbia crest. And can we do that? Yeah, I can. We can do that. I mean, I can do that with any one of these.
3: You're just talking about the sheer amount of the sheer wine. amount.
1: We have, we have, 4,500 acres up here probably right now planted and every year we, we're going to have excess until we find that we can do, we could grow more grapes, but we have to have a home. And to have a home, we're going to have to have some some big wineries or big players. Now you could say, is Gallo looking here? I don't know. Is, is uh, Constellation looking here? I don't know. Uh, as land prices grow on the West Coast, you might see them come over here and do something. Who knows? But we won't. We I don't think we'll have a name for ourselves until we get something that that's in thirty states, and they say, "God, that's Texas." What's it? At? It's Morvette. It's Grenache. It's Carignan. Then then people turn their heads and go, "God, what's going on down there? What's happening?" Uh, we're not there yet. It could be. We, I think we have the fruit. I mean, we have we we could have we have enough fruit now. We could do fifty or sixty thousand cases of a national brand, but that's a lot of moving pieces.
3: Yeah, to get it's a lot more than just selling it around. Well, Texas.
1: yeah, you. I mean, to get everybody together, but that that's what I think it's going to take. I mean, uh, I can't do that by myself. No one can do it by themselves. No. I mean, I'd love to say that I had five or six Jason Santanis and, and two or three Spencers that I have, and we were doing dog and pony shows all over the country with Texas wines. No, prob- probably not.
3: Well, so one of the last questions I ask anyone on the show is, I mean, what's your message to someone who wants to get into the wine industry? What's your message to an enthusiast who just wants to explore more Texas wines? I mean, obviously... The McPherson line has a ton of choices. Uh, EVS is another whole bunch of choices. So what's your message to an enthusiast who says, I want to be the next Jason Hysaw, the next wine enthusiast?
1: I'm going to let my daughter.
3: Come over here. Come over here. Too bad. Too bad. You're on on it now. I'll blur your face out.
4: I, I think what's important to keep in mind is to have an open mind and to try everything. You know, I tell people all the time, I pay very close attention to what's happening outside the West Coast. People are making phenomenal wine, not just in Texas, but Virginia, Arizona. There's wine being made in Colorado. And so if you're looking into Texas wine, try everything and keep an open mind. And remember that these are small producers. We're at the very beginning here. This is a very burgeoning time for the entire industry. You know, farmers are just starting to learn more to figure out what works for us, not just trying to do what other people are doing in states with completely different climates and soil types Um, and winemakers too, you know. And so just like any state, it's going to have a super touristy region and they're going to be making wine that's not that great. We're the same thing. So it's about seeking out the producers that are doing the right farming, that are making beautiful wines, and, um, and keeping an open mind overall.
3: A great answer from Cassie McPherson, uh, uh, an expert in her own right, a third generation wine person. Let me uh, I want to flag Mallory down for the last question.: I'm here. We're good. Uh, you're busy, you're working on stuff. What's your message? You know, we were just talking to Kim and his daughter, Cassie. Uh, what is your message to the people that are enthusiasts, whether they love wine? They love barbecue, people that just love great things. What's your message as someone who has created, you know, a gigantic <laughs> barbecue joint in, you know, a place where people didn't even think barbecue could be this good?
0: Man, I don't know what my message is. I guess thank you for trusting us and um, showing up. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot of cool things about this part of the state and this part of Texas, whether it be music, wine, barbecue, um, just because it's a small place off the beaten path um, doesn't mean that they don't deserve just as much attention and recognition. Um, don't be afraid to hop on a plane from DFW and come to Lubbock and catch an Uber out here and hit up some wineries. And um, This part of the state just has so much to offer. Um, you work for Visit Lubbock? I don't. I don't, but I should in my spare time when I'm not chasing babies Um, yeah, I just thank you for slowly getting on board with, you know, craft things, whether it be barbecue, wine, um, continue to support the local folks. Yeah, there's great stuff all over the world and all over the country and all over the state, but there's people real close in your backyard that are killing themselves, doing it right, uh, working super hard to make the best thing they can. There may not be a whole lot of it. But they're doing a little bit, and you should be there to get some of it.
3: Amazing words from one of the queens of Texas barbecue. I, mean, I don't queen, know if I would I say
4: that. Love
0: it. Maybe a princess. Okay.
1: <laughs> no, you are <laughs> married to one of the. queens. I think kings. you're married.
3: <laughs> so you Got to be a queen. true.
0: Our Arnus is one of those guys. Yeah. He has that presence.
3: He's, <laughs> he's riding his chariot back. He is as he, we speak. He
0: dropped off the smoker. He just he just called. He's on his way back from DFW. So.
3: Well, and and. You know, to close it all out, I just want to thank you both. Um, I want to thank Jason Santani. He had to run out. But I, I, I just think the conversation about barbecue, the conversation about wine, the conversation about Texas as a creator of amazing things is just getting started. And I truly appreciate both of you for being here. And uh, I can't wait to come back. Thanks, thank you. Tony.
0: Thanks, Thanks, Kim. <laughs> Jason. Other Jason that had yeah. to leave. Um, Cassie. Yeah, it was great. Thanks for coming out, guys. Yeah.
1: Oh, God. Thank you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> go out eat some barbecue. Drink like drink some Texas yeah, wine if you can get your hands, you hands on it and uh, we'll you want want see y'all at the next episode of the Best I Barbecue Show. Yes,
1: and I want some more of these okay. because I love the I Can we just do it all over again? <laughs> I know, right? Empty our stomachs. That's Whatever. a robo call. Yeah. Hey, to come in and meet man. Me. Y'all gonna see me eat now. Hit on the meat, man. Y'all to see me eat now. I got jaws like a bear trap, a teeth like a razor. I made tag tongue with a sensitive taster I was born out in Texas called the land of
4: beef. Never catch a muscle greener showing the hell of like a meat, i the meat man. Y'all to see me eat-